What's the last book you read that you really enjoyed? Do you remember? Ready to talk shop? It's time for some copy chatter. So, yeah, what's the last book that you read? And I ask because we forget sometimes, at least if you're like me, you get so absorbed in your writing business that you forget about reading. And this is, this is um, not a good thing <laughs> for the writer in you. As a freelance writer, we are writers. And maybe you're like me and you are not the next great American novelist and you're not really a creative writer, you do like the whole nonfiction thing. And if you are also like me, you find that you tend to read more nonfiction than fiction. I am trying to remember. I don't remember the last novel that I read. I don't remember the last novel I read. I tend to read um, like well, parenting books and like self-help books and specific nonfiction books that go into a particular topic I'm interested in, um, stuff like that. So I don't really, I'm not a creative writer and I'm not like a, a big fiction reader. I love a good novel, but I find that my time for reading is so limited and my thirst for knowledge and information is so much stronger than my desire to be entertained by a book that I tend to reach for the nonfiction almost exclusively. In fact, I was, I was looking, I got really just mentally tired a couple of weeks ago and I was like, I just want to read a novel. I just want to read a novel. And so I went looking on my bookshelves for a novel <laughs> and the only novel I could find was To Kill a Mockingbird, which is a fantastic novel. It's my favorite. It's probably my favorite book of all time. Um, but it's not like a light, easy, fun, carefree novel. I wanted something that was more like the Guernsey, whatever it is, Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society, whatever that book is called. I, I wanted something more like Guernsey. Um, so To Kill a Mockingbird was not... <laughs> I think I read it anyway. Because it's just such a feast for the mind. Um, it's a it's a it's a feast of language. I love the way that it's written. I love the perspective of Scout. I love the dry observations of Atticus. I love the way that the pictures, the, you know, the imagery is painted. I love the discussion. I love the. Um, the setting is so vibrant and so well done and just so small town America in the South, because I'm a Southerner, I find fascinating. The social dynamics are interesting. The courtroom scene is just, oh my God, it's, it's, a, it's just a marvel of a book. By the way, I have not read whatever the other one is called, Watchmen, Ghost Out of Watchmen. I have not read that and I don't intend to read it. And I have a whole rant about why I will never read that book um, unless I'm forced to for some reason. I will never voluntarily choose to read that book um, because, should I get into my rant? I'll get into my rant. I'll try to keep it short. I'm not going to read it because Harper Lee never intended for it to be read. 
and out of respect to the author and out of the um, awareness that that book was basically the first draft of what became To Kill a Mockingbird. The story, yes, is different, um, but from what I understand, being not Harper Lee, I don't know for sure, but my understanding is that Ghost at a Watchman is the first draft that she had submitted to a literary agent and the agent read it and was like, well, this story is fine, but you need to write a book from Scout's perspective, you know, or like, this is the storyline or this, she read this manuscript and pulled out the essence of what became To Kill a Mockingbird, which was a departure. But that's what a good editor does. A good editor makes sure that your really crappy first, sorry, your really crummy first draft stays in the drawer and is never seen and that the only thing the world sees is is the gold nugget that that first draft was hiding. Anyway, so Ghost at a Watchman was never meant to be read and the characters that we have in that novel are not the true characters. The true characters are the ones in To Kill a Mockingbird. And so that is what I will read. I, I heard too many reviews from people who were just gutted by the way Atticus ended up and whatever. And I find it really upsetting because that's not the real Atticus. But now people think that's the real Atticus. And I, and I think seeing the first draft of something without the awareness that it's the first draft um, and with this understanding that it's the sequel or the whatever really does damage to what the true actual work is. The actual work is To Kill a Mockingbird. That was the one that was refined. That was the one that was edited. It's the one that was published. It's the one that is celebrated. It's the one that was banned and burned and needs to be read over and over and over and over again. That's the brilliance of Harper Lee. Good set of Watchmen is not the brilliance of Harper Lee. Maybe it has some shining moments, but that's not... It's, you know, it's an uncut, unpolished rock. It's not the diamond. I don't want the uncut, unpolished rock. I want the diamond. There's a whole lot more I could say about this if I weren't so tired. <laughs> and foggy and um i'm doing a, i have like all this mental chatter about should i even be talking about this that's really distracting me from making a good argument but that's that's the basis of my argument it was never meant to be read and out of respect for harper lee out of respect for to kill the mockingbird out of respect for the characters and my understanding of them and my experience of them i'm choosing not to read it and for many years i have chosen not to read it and i cannot fathom choosing to read it in the future However, maybe my perspective will change. Anyway, seven minutes later, <laughs> we're going to get back to the topic at hand, which was actually related, and that is you should be reading. I don't like to use that word should very much, but you should be reading. If you want to be a writer, if you are a professional writer of any sort, of any variety, whether you're writing books or personal essays or opinion columns or you're doing freelance like marketing stuff or you're ghostwriting for a blogger or anything like that you need to be reading you need to have good input going into your head through your language processor into your memory banks 
seeping into your sensibility and your kind of thought patterns and your um, linguistic awareness of expression, (laughs) you need to have good input going in so that your output becomes better. The more you read, the better you will be able to write. Now, I would say the caveat is I'm not talking about reading forums on Reddit. I'm talking about the more you're able to read edited work that has been through any kind of editorial process, whether it's through traditional publishing houses or um, the newspaper desk or, you know, whatever it is, the Atlantic magazine. I don't know. Somebody gave us a subscription to that years ago, and it was actually really... I didn't hate it. (laughs) Anyway, um, I find a lot of the pieces in the Atlantic are really interesting. I find some of them I just want to like throw it out the window, but a lot of them are really just interestingly done. The perspective is so interesting to me sometimes. Anyway, you need to have the good inputs. You need to see words on a page, see how they are strung together, Sit with things that you're reading and let them sink in and reflect. Come across words that you don't normally come across. Come across rhythms and sentence structures that are not the same old stuff. Writing for the web is great, um, but it can get very... It's a specific type of writing. And it's really going to benefit you to have a broader horizon. Now, I have been experimenting with listening to audiobooks to see if it gives the same like linguistic development as reading book books does. And sometimes yes, sometimes it is really nice. Um, it's a nice departure. It's cool to be able to get through some of these books that I've been meaning to read for like a really long time. Um, but it's that tends to be more effective in the information absorption as opposed to reveling in language, which is what I want you to be doing. I want you to be reveling in language. And maybe you are someone who's able to do that with audiobooks. I find that I'm not really able to do it with audiobooks as much as I can when I have a book in front of my face and I'm turning pages and it's this whole sensory experience. There's something about that that makes me a better writer and it makes you a better writer. And if you follow any writer of any sort, whether it's a journalist or a novelist or a copywriter, across the board, if you listen to their advice long enough, you will hear them say, you need to be reading. In addition to writing, a writing writing practice is all well and good, but you're going to get so much more mileage. You are going to improve so much more. You are going to be so much more effective as a writer if you are also reading good stuff. And I'm sure there is some science behind why this is, and I'm not familiar with the science. Um, I am familiar with my own experience, and I found that it's becoming more and more difficult for me to find good times, like good chunks of time, like 20 minutes or so to read. I find that if I have 20 minutes, well, these days I'm just like staring at the ceiling. (laughs) 
because I'm just so tired and maxed. I'm, I'm maxed right now. And I forget sometimes how, for me at least, reading is restorative. And reading is like the gasoline in my writer engine fuel tank. I don't know if gasoline is the right word. But reading is the fuel for my writing engine. Let's just say that. And I know that I'm not the only one. Because every successful writer... Um, who I've done any kind of reading or following or listening to or watching interviews, anything like that, they will tell you without fail, you need to be reading. You need to be reading if you want to be a good writer. I think it probably has something to do with training the way that our minds process language and being exposed to new ideas and new combinations of words or combinations of thoughts. Um, making new connections between things that you might not have observed on your own, but then someone else observes them and you read it and you're like, oh, that's really true. You can get this kind of thing from watching television or listening to podcasts. You know, you can get it other ways. But for me, the spoken word is something I experience differently from the written word. And I think that probably has in large part to do with the editing. When you're speaking, you're not, you, you can't go back and like refine what you have already said. You can say more about it. You can present it in a new way, um, but you can't like go back and delete, delete, delete. You can do that in writing. So when you're looking at good writing, you are looking at the best version of this thought that someone could present to you. You're looking at the best, you're getting the best version of it. And so when you have that level of quality coming into your brains, you're going to have better quality coming out of your brains. <laughs> that did not go where I thought it was going to go. <laughs> anyway, I cannot stress to you the importance of reading high quality material. And so I like, and I'm not saying throw out all your chiclet. I actually really like chick, chiclet, you know, lighthearted romance novels, not like bodice rippers, but I mean, maybe those are good too. I know one of my good friends from college um, wrote her doctorate on romance novels um, and Shakespeare, I think was, I think it was her doctorate. Maybe it was that, that was for her master's. Anyway, I'm sure there's high quality reading in those as well. Um, not something I've personally experienced, but um, I will tell you the best novel I've ever read in my entire life was written by, it wasn't a romance novel, but it was written by a romance novel author who didn't want to write romances anymore. So she wrote historical fiction. And oh my goodness, it was so good. So good. It's called, it's a Francine Rivers book. It's called Redeeming Love. It's a Christian historical fiction. And it is just absolutely captivating, um, compelling. It's like 800 pages long or something. And a lot of people pick up this book and they don't put it down. They just stay up all night reading it because they can't put it down because it's so good. Um, I did listen. I read that book years ago, a couple of times. Um, and then, oh, this must have been what I was doing when I was looking for a novel. I couldn't find it and I couldn't really find any novel I felt like reading other than To Kill a Mockingbird. Um, so, but I did find the audiobook of Redeeming Love. And so I listened to it and it was like, again, it was like binge listening. I, I had it on 
I was either working or I was listening to this book doing everything else, <laughs> cooking, taking care of the kids, um, all that stuff, lying in bed at night, listening to this thing. Um, it was pretty ridiculous. And I got through, I don't even remember how many hours of audio and I got through it in like two days, <laughs> hours and hours of audio. Of course, I listened to my audio sped up. I have really gone off the path here. What I, what I, what I want to convey to you with this is make time to read. It will benefit you. It will benefit your writing. Um, if you make time to read. And so when you're writing blog posts, if that's the main thing that you're writing, make time to read high quality blog posts. Um, find a couple of blogs, maybe two or three blogs that you know are good. The ones on, well, I would say the ones on Smart Blogger are usually pretty good. Sometimes I'm actually like, what did I just read? But um, for the most part, they are one of my go-tos. Um, everything on Copy Hackers is really good. I'm trying to think of other blogs that are really good. I know they're out there. I just can't think of any. I know they're out there. You know what? Here's an idea. Why don't you come to the Inkwell Guild on Facebook? That's my free Facebook group. And if you're in there, I want you to share some blog posts you think are really good or just one when you come across it. It doesn't matter what the topic is if you think it's really well done. If you're not in the Inkwell Guild yet, I invite you to join. Again, it's free. It's open to anyone who considers himself a, a freelance writer or who is interested in becoming one. Just go to theinkwellguild.com or you can search for the Inkwell Guild on Facebook. Either way, that'll get you there. And come and join us and share these well-written resources that you find um, so that we can all benefit from this, from this good writing. So, oh, where I was going with that. If you're a blogger, if you like are writing blog posts, read excellent blog posts. If you want to start writing case studies, Start looking for case studies and read them. Uh, if you want to write really good sales copy, start looking for sales copy. That's really good. Look for um, sales copy for offers that are selling. And there are a couple of ways you can tell if it's selling. Number one, like just word of mouth. Number two, click on all the different Facebook ads you get, especially if you get any for info products. Um, see how many comments are on the ad. If there are lots of comments on the ad, that means the ad is profitable, which means that the offer is selling. So that's probably going to be pretty good sales copy on the sales page. Um, the Two Comma Club, I believe has a website. I think it's just twocommaclub.com. And that has a list of all of Russell Brunson's Two Comma Club winners, which means that this is a sales funnel that's made a million dollars because there are two commas in the number. Um, so you can kind of pick your way through those. Um, those are typically going to be pretty good examples of, of solid sales copy as well. That's, that's like a little shortcut. Anyway, if you want to get really good at something, read really good examples of that thing. And if you want to improve yourself as a writer in general, read good stuff. Just read good stuff. Read, um, you know, the banned books list is actually full of really wonderfully written novels or go to Amazon and look for um, 
actually, I don't know that I would go to Amazon because there's a lot of garbage on Amazon. You know what some really good novels are? The Oprah Book Club books from like 15 years ago. Some of those novels are just really, really good. Really good novels. I'm sure that there are some good ones from today, but I am not reading Oprah's Book Club novels today. I was reading them like 15 years ago. So, um, anyway, that's your homework. Go read something. Go read something good. Go read something that is mentally delicious to you. <laughs> and then come to the Inkwell Guild Facebook group and share it and tell us what you love about it. Okay? See you then. So, my friend, if you have been listening to this podcast and you like what you hear, have you left a review? I'm just wondering. And I only ask because reviews are really, really helpful for podcasters like me. I really care about what you're thinking, what you need, and how I can come alongside you and help you grow your freelance writing business so that it's something that really supports your life and gives you exactly what you're looking for in some kind of work from home, get paid to write type of thing. So if you have not left a review and you are so inclined, I would be deeply grateful (laughs) for your stars, for your commentary. And of course, I want you to tell me what you love so I can keep doing more of it. Thank you.